Hey, ass lovers, it's Adam Sank coming at you from the coronavirus capital of the world, New York City. Um, You are about to hear episode 136, but I just needed to create this little preamble um, because what you're about to hear is the worst episode of the Adam Sank show uh, ever created on a technical level solely. The content is wonderful. Um, We have two great guests. We have the adorable Ryan Frostig, but... um, It's just a technical nightmare, and mostly because um, just as we were getting to our extra special guest, Peppermint, my computer stopped recording for no apparent reason, and I didn't realize it for about another 10 minutes. So the first half of Pep's interview uh, isn't there. Um, And uh, so I will be back later in the broadcast when that happens to just warn you of what you're about to hear. But uh, I also want to point out that the my brand new Yeti microphone um, that I spent a lot of money on arrived the moment I finished recording the episode. So right now I sound fantastic over this microphone, but that's not how the episode sounds. The good news is from now on, all episodes should sound great, even though we are still not back in the studio. Okay, I love you all. Please enjoy episode 136. Warning, the program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start Let's... sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I okay. hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like where you're going with this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. (laughs) This is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. (laughs) And now... The one, the only... Forget your troubles, come on, get happy. You better chase all your cares away. Shout hallelujah, come on, get happy. Get ready for the judgment day. Ryan and I are going at two completely different tempos, but this is the Adam Sank Show. Welcome. We are not live. Yes, we are not live, but this is a brand new episode if you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern on Saturday, April 25th in the year of the coronavirus apocalypse. At dnrstudios.com, the only place to hear this podcast live and throughout the week it first airs. Leave us your ratings and reviews as a number of you have been doing on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to this thing. Email me, me, at adamandadamsank.com. Donate to my AIDS walk page at adamsank.com. Today, we have two very special guests. Uh, First, we have my comedian friend, Lars Kaliu. Uh, listeners uh, will recall that he was supposed to call in several weeks ago, completely ghosted us. He's calling in to redeem himself later today. But then our very special guest, our extra special guest, is the one and only Peppermint, who will oh finally... Gosh. Yes, Ryan. I'm, I'm so glad I had, I had to speak up. She will finally be on the show. I've been trying to get her on for years. But uh, that muffled sound you hear over the telephone is none other than everyone's favorite Lost Pig, Ryan Frosting. Am I muffled? 
Uh, you're a little muffled today, but it's not your fault. It's I don't know if your phone connection is as clear as it was last week, but we'll make. Okay, I have my headphones on. We'll make do. We'll make do as we always do. Uh, Ryan, welcome. What are you and Paul watching? Thank you, thank you. What are you and Paul binging on these days, aside from food and each other's holes? Okay, so this is so, so random, but we've been watching these Architectural Digest uh, videos on YouTube. Oh, my God. Of, like, gay celebrities, um, New York and L.A. homes. And every, like, famous gay who's in their 40s, like, just Tyler Ferguson, Zachary Quinto, they're all so obnoxious. Like, the, the, just, the homes are gorgeous and fabulous, and, like, I want everything in them. But the way that they're showing it, it's, like, so annoying, and yet we can't watch anything else. So you're, you're sort of hate-watching it. Yes. Great energy to be putting into the world right now. Just some hate-watching. Absolutely. But, uh, besides that, Unorthodox, we were watching that. We just finished that a couple It's great, ago. right? That was amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are you watching? Well, this week I want to recommend uh, a documentary called The Fabulous Alan Carr. Um, I read the book first, and the book was great. The documentary is even better. It's from 2017. Alan Carr is not a name known to, uh, not, not widely known outside of Hollywood, but he was a legendary very flamboyant gay producer who was most famous for producing Grease and uh, the movie Grease and the Broadway musical La Caja Folle. But he also produced a number of horrible bombs and is, um, unfortunately, he's best remembered now as being the producer of the worst Academy Awards telecast ever, um, the, the 1987 Oscars in which Snow White and Rob Lowe did a duet of Proud Mary. Oh, <laughs> My God. And it was that not good. Rich. Yeah. Rich. He had an incredible life. He was a real um, iconoclast. And, uh, you know, there's just this, like, fabulous gay man who was very heavy and wore caftans all the time. And it's, it's just a fun documentary. I would like to not recommend a movie that we talked about last week, which was on the list oh, of, of 10 stripping movies you should watch. Uh, do which not one did you watch? do not which do not watch. <laughs> Just can't get enough. The you, you, you got enough. I got you, more you than enough. Can get enough. Ryan, I paid for this piece of shit. I rented it for like three ninety nine. It's this. It's the lowest budget movie I think I've ever rented. It's from two thousand one. The only semi recognizable person in it is J P Pitock from Trick, who plays the hot stud in Trick. Um, mm -hmm. He plays one of the Chippendales dancers. He's horrible in this, as is everybody else. It, it's a terrible, it's a depressing story, and it's just not good. So uh, don't waste your money on that. Good um, to know. Good, good to, to know. know. So there are a number of things that we need to get through today. And as I said, we have two guests, so I'm going to jump right in. And the first yeah. thing I'm going to talk about, Ryan, is going to be very controversial. All right. I'm ready. The question is... Are HIV-positive guys on meds immune to the coronavirus? That is the question of the moment, isn't it? A lot of people are asking that question. I feel like Donald Trump. A lot of people are saying... <laughs> um, now, I want to make it clear. I am not a medical authority, and I am not telling you that if you're HIV-positive and on meds, you can't get coronavirus. I do not want to be sued because my listeners go out and have a, a barebacking frenzy 
um, because they think they're immune to coronavirus. However, a number of doctors, including my own, um, are reporting few cases of severe COVID among their HIV-positive patients. In the beginning, it was thought that being positive would be, you know, we would be particularly vulnerable, uh, those of us who are positive. In fact, it seems to be the opposite, and the CDC just released its uh, list of the top 10 comorbidities with co- with COVID-19. A comorbidity means um, another condition or disease that you already have that uh, is most likely to lead, to lead you to die from coronavirus infection. HIV didn't make the top 10. Wow. Also not making the top 10, which this was a real shock, was asthma. Everyone thought... That is shocking. Yeah, everyone thought having asthma uh, would make you most vulnerable to the coronavirus. But in fact, um, neither of those made the list. If you're interested, the, the number one and two comorbidities are hypertension, which is also known as high blood pressure, and diabetes. And overall, obesity seems to be highly correlated with getting very ill and dying from from COVID-19. But from the beginning, there's been some suspicion that maybe the meds that we take as HIV pos guys, when I say we, I don't mean you, you, Ryan, Ryan's negative, but I I and the other pos people of the world, the medications we take might be offering us protection. It could be that our own immune system, having been used to living with this, uh, with HIV, which is itself a coronavirus, maybe we've already built up immunity. Um, But right now in Spain, they're doing a test of Truvada to see if giving Truvada to healthcare professionals protects them from getting infected with coronavirus. Um, I think at this point, whatever, People are experimenting with lots of different drugs, and I think I think it's interesting. And I, I I've asked I wanted to ask you uh, your opinion on this, but I mean we've seen this before, right? We saw this in the '80s and '90s, and I think the the pause community has seen enough um, devastation and uh, death. But do you think that we would be if this if this coronavirus pandemic affected the gay community? in the way that AIDS did, but if it happened today, do you think that we would be seeing the same response? Absolutely not. I mean, we still live in a very homophobic world, and particularly at the moment, we have one of the most homophobic administrations of all time. Um, In spite of Trump's uh, frequent uh, proclamations that he's a friend to the LGBTQ community, he is not. He's hand- determined that he, was a lie. That's a lie. He's, he's turned over domestic policy to Mike Pence, and Mike Pence uh, has the worst record of HIV of any governor, you know, when he was governor of Indiana. Um, I do think it's a little different because mm-hmm. HIV was transmitted through sex and um, trans- blood transfusion and IV drug use, which means that the the general population wasn't, spreading it you know it was being spread by very specific communities that said once hemophiliac started getting it in large numbers and the medical community realized that you could get hiv through a blood transfusion that's when they started to take it seriously until until it potentially impacted straight people um Mm -hmm. who weren't drug users that's the that's the first time the government started to give a shit um 
I will say that Anthony Fauci, the same Anthony Fauci who's, you know, leading the, the coronavirus response, um, is one of the heroes of the AIDS Absolutely. epidemic. He was, he, he was fighting for us and for research and testing all along. So he's, he's a good guy. But in any case, um, I posted about this on the Adam Stang Show Facebook page, and almost immediately one listener or Facebook follower was like, no, I've been positive and undetectable for 20 years, and I got very sick with COVID. So again, I'm not saying this is like universal or that this is definitely a fact. I'm saying there seems to be anecdotal evidence, um, widespread anecdotal evidence that people who are positive don't seem to be getting as sick or dying in the kind of numbers as the general population is. And among my friends, quite a few of whom are pos, no, nobody is sick. Nobody's gotten sick at all. So it's, it'll be interesting as we learn more about this um, virus. I need to move on to something a lot more fr frivolous and less important, but far more entertaining, which is Ryan's RuPaul's Drag Race update. Ryan, Chante, you stay. Well, Adam, this has been a very uh, difficult week for the uh, fans of RuPaul's Drag Race who are based in New York City. Um, you know, I think that uh, I'll just start off by saying we last week saw Britta go home, and this week um, we saw Jan. Go in case, home. in case listeners missed what Ryan just said, Britta went home last week, and then Jan went home this week. Should I, let me hold on one second make it any better yes all right i just took my headphones out yeah your headphone anyway. your headphone microphone sucks ass yeah clearly anyway i think that um i'm really having a hard time with this season uh the, the challenges are okay there we're seeing a lot of repeats the editing is suspect and obviously that's a big part of um a, a lot of that has to do with you know how they're dealing with sherry pie and how they're dealing with her edit it's, it's clear that we're not getting the full story here, and it's, it's strange to me the way that they are bringing certain queens on and, and the way that they are showcasing them and how, they're, how they are um, telling their story on this show. Uh, Jan, for example, was an established queen going into Drag Race. She had been on two other reality TV shows, The Voice and America's Got Talent, um, probably had one of the biggest followings of this uh, group of queens, and yet they didn't mention either of those things. They didn't mention the fact that Alexis Michelle was her drag mother. They didn't mention Stephanie's child. And it was, she had such a, a favorable edit, you know, they, 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 they showed her, um, you know, presenting her talent to the judges. They showed her um, laughing and joking and pressing the shade button and untucked and doing all these things. As soon as Britta was eliminated, who they clearly gave an unfavorable edit to. Um, I, I, I would say she has been the villain of, of this season so far. As soon as she went home, it seems like the story, Jan's story changed. And suddenly it became about her uh, being just really bitter and really like, she, she, it, well, it, it wasn't favorable anymore. Right. The suggestion was that Jan was really crying because she didn't win and didn't give a shit about Britta, um, which, if it were true, doesn't really make Jan a bad person. Like, no. you're, you're allowed to cry because you didn't win. Absolutely. 
But I have You're to say... You're allowed to cry about multiple things. I have to say, I, I love Jan as a New York City queen. I think she's, you know, incredibly talented. And, and I agree that her... Uh, her showing on the on RuPaul's Drag Race was disappointing, but I have to say, she, on the show, at least the edit they gave her, she never really blew me away. I didn't expect her to go home this early, but I also didn't expect her to make the finals. Um, but I have to say, in this last challenge, I did not think that she belonged on the bottom. I agree. And I also don't agree with Heidi being the winner. I, I had a hard time with the whole judging. I would have given... Um, who's the really cute black guy? Jada. I would have given Jada the win. I thought her yeah, commercial was, really good. was outstanding. And I actually would have put Sherry Pie on the bottom. Sherry Pie's infomercial, infomercial was garbage. Yeah, it wasn't good. But, you know, it's interesting because... I. Um, you you uh, mentioned Shaka Khan uh, and her her on my judging. Facebook page. Yes, how she was yeah, incomprehensible. Yeah. Honestly, I think that Shaka Khan was really there as a plot point to move. Uh, uh, what's her name? I'm blanking. Widow's storyline, and I think that they kind of used Jan as a sacrificial lamb in this case. Like when when it was announced that it was going to be a Shaka Khan song and that Shaka Khan was going to be there, it instantly reminded me of when, on season four, when Natalie Cole was the judge, and they, uh, it's a very famous lip sync between Dearitz and the princess, and this will be, and it kind of reminded me of that, where it's like, you know, Jan didn't stand a chance. If it had been a different song, maybe she she, she might have pulled through, and maybe it could have been a, a, a double uh, day, which I think at this point, we haven't seen yet, and we could see, but I just think it, it wasn't her challenge. It wasn't her season. Um, and I, I don't. Per, I I'm a, I am a fan of her. I I've loved uh, seeing her in the clubs, and I love seeing her on Drag Race. But I I knew she wasn't going to win. I just feel like if she had won the Madonna challenge, no one would have been upset. Maybe Gigi was better, but if they had given them both the win that that week or had just given it to Jan, no one would have been mad. And then sending her home would have felt justified because she had, she had done the thing that she was there to do. Well, All I'm saying is that being such a huge fan of the show, knowing the formula, memorizing it, being able to detect it every time I watched the show, even if I, uh, even if I truly didn't know any spoilers, I can kind of see now how... When, when certain girls are going home based on the edit. It's, 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 they, need to, they need to mix it up a little bit. All right. Well, we have to move on because uh, Lars was calling in in three minutes, and we have so many more stories. Thank you for your update, okay. Ryan. Um, thank you, thank you. One story that has shocked the, one story that has shocked the gay world this week, no pun intended, is that Aaron Schock, disgraced former Republican congressman who is finally out of the closet, is quote unquote quarantining himself with a bunch of white gay bitches in Mexico. And the stupid and his stupid friends are posting pictures of all of them like shoulder to shoulder arms around each other no masks on the beach in Mexico and they're saying th- they're saying things like stay safe. Like you're not being safe, you stupid cunts. And also, why are you hanging out with Aaron Schock 
when he has a zero score from the human rights campaign on his voting record. He voted in favor of a constitutional amendment to ban gay marriage. And you're partying with him on the beach in Mexico during a motherfucking quarantine? Not to mention, they're at a resort. So all the people waiting on them, the, the cook, the maid, the, the handyman, everyone working for, on their hotel room or wherever it is they're, they're fucking staying, is, they're at risk too. He's such a fucking asshole. And you would think at the very least he would say to his friends, hey, don't post anything on social because the whole world already hates me. He truly does not care what the public thinks of him, especially the gay community. If he cared, he would um, he would he would not be posting this content. No, he has no uh, shame. Yeah, he, he, he knows that uh, he can get away with it. He knows that... Uh, You're very quiet uh, again, Ryan. Oh, boy. Uh, is this better? Yes. He knows that there are stupid gay guys in our community that will... that he will attract them no matter what. Whether there's a pandemic or not, uh, there are people that don't mind being uh, ignorant assholes well, putting people's journalist Yashir Ali, Yashir Ali, who's one of my favorite tweeters, wrote, Love that Aaron Schock has been holed up in a villa in Mexico with a bunch of guys. One of them just posted an Instagram story with the stay-at-home hashtag. You're not at home, bitch. Must get rid of toxic in the community. A bunch of awful people. So, yeah, that's what Aaron Schock is doing. Meanwhile... Our guest is going to call in any second. I'm wondering whether I should do this next story. Okay, meanwhile, Jesse Smollett is back in the news. Oh, dear. Because reportedly, he had a sexual relationship with one of the two men he accuses of attacking him. A source has told the New York Post's page six that Smollett knew his quote-unquote attacker Abel Osendero on an intimate level. The source says they used to party together and he had a sexual relationship with Abel. They went to an affluent Chicago bathhouse multiple times that they had, uh, where they had to show their ID. So in other words, there are receipts. And of course, oh, yeah. the, that bathhouse is Steamworks, which Ryan claims never to have visited, but I don't believe it. I never did. Never once. This is, this is not the first time that this has uh, surfaced, this report. Um, Abel Osendero actually uh, had, had said he was going to sue Smollett's lawyer for de- lawyers for defamation after they claimed that there was a sexual relationship between the two of them. So, um, you know, that sort of went away. And then this source told Page Six about the bathhouse thing. Um, I'm sure this will all come out during Jesse's trial. Okay, hold on one second, Ryan. And now we're going to merge contacts. Okay, here we go. Our first guest today is making his ass debut, but he's someone I've known for well over a decade. He's an internationally recognized comedian who's performed overseas three times for U.S. troops and twice for Canadian troops. He's also a comedy festival favorite who toured with the legendary Joan Rivers. He's joining us all today all the way from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. His last name contains every vowel in the alphabet. Please give a warm-ass welcome to Lars Kallion. Hey! 
How's it going? Lars, are you with us? I sure am. How are things in Edmonton, Alberta today? Well, warm for the first time in a month. Well, for the first time in five months, but uh, it's starting to warm up. It feels spring outside, which for Canada is, uh, is about 40 degrees. Nice. Lars, you listen to the show regularly. Uh, you know, you know that we have a tradition of straight guys and lesbians not showing up for their interview spots. Were you just trying to uphold that tradition when you ghosted on us a few weeks back? You know, uh, as I get older, I like just accepting total responsibility for my errors. I accept total responsibility, um, and and I don't. You know, when you get to forty, you'll find that you just just. You don't point fingers. When I get um, to 40, bitch, I'm almost 50. So it didn't save into my calendar, but it's not. it was my fault for not putting a backup plan in. So, um, I, uh, yeah, yes, I was trying to, for, for humor purposes, yeah, I was trying to um, keep the streak alive. Well, we appreciate it. Now, a lot of people have gotten dicked over by this whole coronavirus thing, and not in a good way. But you especially, because you were just about to start a four-month international comedy tour when the shit hit the fan, correct? Yeah, we were in it. We were 11 days into the four-month tour. Um, we were in uh, Perth, Australia. Oh, you had actually started it? Yeah, so we, uh, I was traveling with a very funny young comedian, also from Edmonton, Canada, um, named Ryan Short. And so Ryan and I flew to Perth. There's a really fun comedy club on the west coast of Australia um, called the Comedy Lounge. So we did the first weekend at the Comedy Lounge, March 14, 15, 16, I think it would have been. And then we were, uh, I was supposed to be in Australia for about three more months. And then, uh, and then a five-week tour of Asia. And we flew to what would be our second week in Australia. We, we were flying through the Melbourne airport. And our prime minister came on and said, if you're abroad, you need to come home now while commercial travel is still an option. Jesus. And we were in the airport on the way to Tasmania. And so we were watching this video. And if he wouldn't have used the line, because I had, you know, just about three months more work in Australia. If he hadn't used the line while commercial travel is still available... I would have, I would have been like, nah, because Ryan decided he was going to go back, and uh, I, I was like, nah, I think I'm going to stay, and that line got me. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, if commercial travel gets canceled, you're you're stuck. And um, and if you had stayed there, of, yeah. if you had stayed there, I mean, you guys wouldn't have had any audience. The shows wouldn't have even happened. Yeah, at that time, you know, early March, you know, so March 15th, things were just starting to really escalate. Things were really starting to speed up as far as stuff being canceled. And, you know, crowd sizes went from, in, you know, the U.S. and Australia from, like, nothing bigger than 500 to nothing bigger than 100 to nothing bigger than 50 to nothing bigger yeah. than 10. That all happened over the course of five days, six, you know, a week. And so March 15th, when we were sitting there, I'm like, if this, if I go home and cancel all of this work, I'm sitting at home. And you know how, as comics, we book months in advance. So now I'm home for four months with no work. And and I'm like, oh, man, this is tough. And that line, though, that, that 
while commercial travel is still available, I'm like, oh. And so we we rebooked our flights. It was St. Patrick's Day in Australia. We rebooked our flight for the following morning at 10 a.m. and flew back to Canada. So we were we were right at the front end of this big long tour that we do that I do every year. Well, I'm glad that you're back safe and sound, but I am very sorry about your tour. I fe- I really feel for any performers right now who. Um, had to cancel gigs and are, are losing, you know, untold amounts of money. Lars, I, I had you on my old weekly show at Therapy a number of times back in the day. Were you living in New York at the time, or would you take trips to from Canada? What were you do? How was it possible that I had you on the show so often? Well, uh, New York City has always been my favorite place in the world. And I found a thousand excuses not to move there for comedy, but, you know, I've been doing comedy 17 years this thing. And every summer since 2007, I've gone to New York for a couple of weeks or a month or a month and a half. So there's not a lot of work in Canada in July and August because everybody goes out to a beach or a lake to camp. So what I do in July and August is I go to New York so I can get stage time. Ah. Now, I was famous for blowing guys in the men's room at therapy. Did, were, did I ever blow you? I'm, refresh my memory. No, and here's the thing. Like, I think I was, uh, you were so far out of my league <laughs> that I didn't think that that was an option. <laughs> it was always an option. Yeah, but, I, but I didn't know that. You know, this would have been 2007, 2008. Yeah. Here's this devilishly handsome, very funny comedian. And had you said, you know, oh, by the way, you're not a towner. You, you know, you're a chubby Canadian guy. I'll blow you in the bathroom. I would have been like, yeah, that's the deal. See? I didn't realize that was a part, part of the stage time. Live and learn. I mean, it wasn't often comedians that I would blow. It was usually patrons. But, um, you know, I would have made an exception. Lars, I, I had very limited experience with Joan Rivers. I wish I had gotten to know her more. Um, when you know when she was still around, I did meet her a couple times. She was my personal idol. What was your experience like touring with her? Um, one of the one of the things that I I don't ever want people to think that I'm riding the coattails of this true legend. So people who might not be all that familiar with me realize that the conversation often gravitates towards Joan because of my affection for her and the like. You don't, you don't have to in, inflate her kindness now that she's, now that she's passed away. So to, to, and, um, if you've ever interviewed any of her other opening acts, there's a couple of great ones that if you haven't had them on your show, um, they would absolutely come on for a blowjob. Well, my but, show doesn't exist anymore. I'm, I'm retired from stand-up. No, no, I meant, I meant, I meant the ass show. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you, know, you, know, you can extend that offer if, if they want to you know, do the show. This show, not 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 to therapy. Yes. Um, so so if if there was promo, as in a bus ad, a billboard, a radio ad, your name was on the billboard. Your name was in the promo, and so it was Joan Rivers with special guest Lars Kelio. It was so she always made sure that the star on your dressing room was the same star that was on her and that, dressing room. And people have to know how unusual that is. Usually when you open for someone famous or even someone not so famous, 
Um, they don't want they want you to get as little attention as possible. But Joan Joan had that incredibly generous spirit about her. Yeah, you're and you're right. I can't think of another one in all of my years that's ever done anything like it. And I I opened for a wonderful. Um, he was a music impersonator. He still is. He's very funny. And um, he did uh, the We Are the World song with his big hit. His name's Andre Philippe Gagnon. And I remember opening for Andre, and he's a super nice guy. My name was not in the program, and they didn't intro me. <laughs> so they're like, okay, you can go. And I was like, uh, is somebody going to say who I am? Like, no one in the crowd knows who I am. And they were like, what? No, just go. And I'm like, Ugh. And I walked <laughs> on tour with this guy. Walk, walking out on stage and be like, hey, everybody. And everyone's like, who the... It's the worst. This guy likes to look. But no, it's the worst. But Joan was, Joan was just a wonderful, generous person. You know, okay, so I, I, I toured with... Like, I opened for her, um, I don't know, probably 12 times, 15 times. So I toured with Canada with her, her last three tours in Canada. So the first two times I opened for her, I just opened for her in Edmonton, and then after that, she started taking me on tour. The idea of her, her graciousness and how much respect she showed to all comedians was so... So she would do your intro, and I think this is my favorite part about working with somebody like that, because 2,000 people are there to see her. That You're just in the way. You know, it's nice to fill out the show and make it a 90-minute show, but truthfully, you're just kind of... You're the opening band if somebody's there to see... I don't know, you too, or, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm going to get my drinks, I'm going to get my nachos, and I'm going to wait till, you know, wait till the headliner's on. Right. So she would come on, she would do your intro. Ladies and gentlemen, your opening act is a close personal friend of mine. And when she comes on the mic and does that, and it's live, it's not pre-recorded, um, she would come on and do that, and everyone would go, oh, oh, it's a friend of Joan. Oh, okay. And you get legitimized, like that. Yes. Everybody in the crowd was like, oh, well, we better pay attention to this friend Joan. And they would be on their best behavior because of what she did. Now, here's, I think... We got a, we, she, we, we, we got about another minute here, Lars, just so you know. Oh, oh, perfect. Okay. Um, anyway, she was just incredibly gracious. She was just one of, one of the kindest people and incredibly funny. You know, every time we toured, she would have 20, 25 new minutes of material. And so she was, uh, she was a force. That was, that was a real wonderful human being. And my last question is, I don't know anything about your personal life. Are you married? Do you have a girlfriend? Is there a sheep? What, what's the situation up in Edmonton? Nope. Uh, never been. Never been married. Never been. Uh, mainly, I'm on the road about 40 weeks a year. I was pre this. So it's just been, uh, you know, I've dated some wonderful human beings and, um, you know, got, got a blowjob of therapy in the bathroom from a guy. But other than that... Um, nope, nope. <laughs> and yet it was, and yet it wasn't me, Lars. How can people follow you on the interwebs? And I do uh, advise that people go online and and watch his comedy. It's fabulous. Yeah, extra Lars, E X T R A Lars on Instagram and Twitter, and I follow everybody back. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see them on social media, and hopefully in New York sometime. Lars Kelly, you, I love you. Stay safe in Canada, and um, and you've more than redeemed yourself from last time. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I love you too. Be safe. Bye, sweetie. Bye. Lars Callio, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan, are you still there? Hello? Ryan. Were you looking for me or? Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm looking for Ryan, my co-host. Oh. <laughs> I, I, oh, here I you just are. Realized I was on, I am. Yeah, Lars, you can I hang up. Hello? Okay. Hello? <laughs> Welcome back, Ryan. I'm actually glad you muted your phone because we were getting a little bit of weird feedback. I know. That's why I did it. You might have to do that during Peppermint, too. Um, do you want to call me back just in case? What? Call me back. Yeah, call me back. No, you call me back. You call me back. Bye. Okay. Meanwhile... <laughs> I can't wait till all this shit is over. I want to be back in the studio. I want to have a real microphone. By the way, my fancy new microphone for which I spent $150 has still not arrived. I am dying for it. I hate the sound quality of these, and I believe it will be better once I get that microphone. But anyway, okay, so in other sad coronavirus-related news, um, San Francisco has canceled Pride. Not a huge shock, but... um, particularly sad because this was their 50th anniversary pride and it was supposed to be held the last weekend in june which is when new york holds its pride um the organizers said this was not a decision we arrived at lightly um our staff has been in frequent talks with our board our production team our partners at city hall most of all our communities we have not uh, we've heard from people who urged us to cancel and from those who implored us not to Um, You know, this event, aside from being just like a wonderful day for everyone who goes to San Francisco and joins in, um, it it raises substantial funds, two and a half million dollars on average, which get donated to various local community organizations. New York has not said yet that our pride is canceled or postponed, but I'm sure it will be. I just don't foresee any large gatherings taking place anytime in the next year. Um, And San Francisco Pride joins a whole lot of other gay LGBTQ events um, that either already, you know, were supposed to happen and didn't or are scheduled for the future and have now been postponed or canceled. Uh, The Black Party, one of the biggest sex parties of all time in New York City, that was supposed to be April 4th and 5th. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, Gay Polo uh, in Palm Beach, the International Gay Polo Tournament was canceled. The Dinah, the Dinah Shore... Uh, Dinosaur Week is probably the biggest social event of the year for lesbians and bisexual women. That was supposed to be April 2nd through 5th. Uh, Cherry DC, which is a circuit party in DC where they celebrate the the cherry blossoms on the trees, um, postponed Fort Lauderdale Pride, which was uh, Pride of the Americas. We talked about that being postponed. Tokyo Pride canceled. Phoenix Pride, European Gay Ski Week, White Party. Well, White Party was uh, supposed to happen in March. It just goes on and on and on, and it's so heartbreaking. Um, Sometimes it's hard to wrap our brain around everything that's happened as a result of this. Um, But that's how it is. I don't know why my buzzer is now ringing. Um, Hold on, guys. Well, I had a delivery come in the middle of the podcast, and uh, I had to let the delivery guy in. This is life in New York City. Um, I also don't know what happened to Ryan. I'm going to call him back because he's not calling me back. Hello? Hi, I thought you were going to call me back, but I guess I had to call you back. Oh, I thought you were going to text me. 
No. No. So I just did the story about how all of the Pride events and other LGBTQ events are postponed or canceled for the coming year, basically. And so I know that's bummed out the listeners, so I was hoping you could sing a little bit of uh, Anne Steele's Love Can Take Us There. Hit it, Ryan. Love, love can take us there, It's so sad that you still don't know the words to that. We play it literally every week. Thank you. Thank you. JB, you can insert applause here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, Peppermint should be calling in any moment. Um, I've got more stories to do. Are you ready for them, Ryan? Give it to me. All right, so this is an interesting story. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal has come forward to say that during the 2007 Oscars, he and Heath Ledger were supposed to present an award together. Um, it was the year after Brokeback Mountain had come out, so you know they had been nominees the year before, and now they were going to be presenters. And Heath refused to do it because the, the scripted banter that they had written for them included gay jokes. Hmm. And he didn't want to do it because Joke. Because he, he didn't want to mock Brokeback Mountain and he didn't want to mock gay people. Um, Gyllenhaal uh, was nominated for Best Supporting Actor the year before and he says he was sort of like, oh, okay, whatever. It's all in good fun. And Heath said, it's not a joke to me. I don't want to make any jokes about it. Good for him. He was a good guy. Um, Gyllenhaal also said in an interview that uh, he'd never watched the movie. I hate when stars say that. I think it's such bullshit. Why would you not watch him? Well, I, like, I mean, I don't know. Some people go, I don't like watching myself. Or, or whatever, what? That's a lie. No, I mean, I, I, I think that some things I just like letting kind of be out there for someone else to experience and not necessarily uh, experience it myself. I love watching myself and listening to myself. But um, he says... There are things you're chosen for, a quality, an essence, and Aang did that, and it's still a mystery to me and something that Heath and I shared, that it was a mystery to us at the time. I don't know what that means, but I'm waiting for Jake Gyllenhaal to come out of the closet. Oh, God, that would be such a, such a light and all the darkness, wouldn't it? There's been gay rumors about him for 20 years, and I am here for it. Meanwhile... Here is a Cocktails and Cock Talk story. And now, another stupid story from Cocktails, Cocktails, and Cocktalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. Tom Brady, football player Tom Brady, says fellow football player Rob Gronkowski's penis is amazing. In a recent interview with Howard Stern, Brady says that... uh, you know, players become accustomed to seeing each other in the locker room naked. And he says, you get used to it. Every guy's penis looks the exact same. A man is a man. Clearly not my opinion. Um, but when prompted by Stern, Brady added that Gronkowski, who is six foot five, has a big one. Quote, yes, he does. It's amazing. It's exactly what you would expect it to be. This guy is like a Greek god. His body, that guy is jacked up. Hey, it's me again. 
So just as the Ron Gronkowski penis story was finishing up, that's when my computer stopped recording. So I'm going to read the intro that I, that I read for Peppermint when I introduced her, and then you're going to hear her interview from, from where it started, basically, from, from where the recording picked up again. So she's going to be right in the middle of a sentence, but just know that I had asked her about um, her feelings about this season of RuPaul's Drag Race, season 12, and the whole Sherry Pie mess and how the show has handled it. So, uh, again, you're going to hear that as soon as I'm done with this intro. Um, my introduction is as follows. Our final guest today is someone we've been trying to get on the show for years. I knew her from back in the day when we both hosted weekly shows at Therapy Bar here in New York City. She is now a world-famous entertainer who competed on Season 9 of RuPaul's Drag Race. She has since appeared around the world and on Broadway as the first openly trans actor ever in the show Head Over Heels. She's calling us today all the way from New York City. Please give a warm-ass welcome to Peppermint. The queens that did do the show, no doubt, invested tens of thousands of dollars and right now are earning zero. Right. I, I have to yeah. say, like, I agree with you in principle, but I editing the editing is so weird and so inconsistent that sometimes, like... Right. You don't see Sherry the entire episode, and then she wins the challenge. And you're like, where the fuck did this come from? I almost think they should have done the disclaimer. They should have done the disqualification. But they should have just, like, left the show as, as it was. You know what I'm saying? Pep? Absolutely. Hey, I'm here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually agree with you. Um, I, do think it's, I do think it's a delicate balance. And, of course... We don't necessarily know what leaving the show as is means. I think we, I think for us as viewers who weren't there, leaving the show as is means letting it, letting it, making sure that the conversations that happen and the challenges that happen feel balanced and re- and reflective of whatever the results are, so that when somebody says a comment, it doesn't look like they're talking to a ghost. Like, you know, who, who, who was on the other side of that comment? Who made that joke? Why did everyone laugh? Who was, you know, why was that? Why was Heidi fighting with whoever? You know, like, we need to see who the other people are involved so that we can feel like we have a good understanding. And I think as long as we feel like we have a good understanding of what's actually happening, then we're fine. But if leaving the show alone means this is just hypothetical, I was not there. Obviously, I don't know what was edited out, but what if... A performer was making jokes that were later on deemed to be, you know, like catfishing jokes. Well, maybe it's not a good idea to leave that in. You know what I mean? Right. (laughs) So I think they're running a real, they're walking a really kind of fine line. Um, But I do agree. There There was a couple of moments where it was so obvious and very awkward that it almost didn't make sense, and it, and it almost ruined the, 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 the arc of the episode to have Sherry edit it out in such a dramatic way. Like when they took out her runway. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why they would have taken out her runway, but maybe she did that or said something insensitive. But that just felt really off balance. Um, that runway they taken out was because of uh, Disney because Frozen was the sponsor for that particular episode. So I, I 
believe, and they haven't necessarily confirmed this, I believe that they edited it out because they didn't, Disney didn't want to have any affiliation with Cherry Pie. Oh, that's um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, it's fine, but it doesn't, it, it, she still did the challenge, and she still did the runway, and we got to see it. Do you know what I mean? It's like, so they didn't really... You know, they didn't really, I don't know what they think they achieved. Maybe for their own social version of the cut, they, they achieved something, but it's fine. Everyone has the, the right to kind of make those choices. Um, but it, it was awkward. We did notice yeah. it. And, and they are only two weeks ahead, two or three weeks ahead of editing. And so, you know, they're still editing the season and they're taking the pulse of what's happening, you know, as, 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 you know, public sort of opinion and how things are swaying. And so they are sensitive to it. I actually just talked with them a couple of days ago. Um, I, I think and they are really sensitive to it. I definitely have sympathy. I think it's it's an almost impossible situation that they're in. Um, but what a fucked up, mm-hmm. what a fucked up thing, right? Like what a fucked up scandal. Yeah. And that plus the coronavirus and, you know, these queens not being able to, um, really experience the, the drag race experience the way that, you know, Peppermint, you, you did. And I, I actually have one question for you, Pep. You, like many of the New York City girls this season, came on as sort of an established queen. You know, you had a following, people in New York, uh, we, we knew you, we loved you. Do you think that that can be an advantage or a disadvantage to come onto the show having... Um, these sort of expectations that you think you have to meet or that your fans uh, want you to meet? Well, um, I think coming on to the show with any set of expectations on how you are going to perform, um, knowing how you're going to perform, you know, writing that story before you get into, into the first day of filming could be a mistake for any reality TV competition. Um... I think there's a certain amount of, there's a, I guess there's a little bit of a threshold. Um, when you are overly confident, there's a certain amount of you that's not open and receptive and vulnerable and aware because yourself, you're focused on what you think you know versus the other hand is maybe not being confident enough, but you're extremely sensitive and hyper aware of what's going on around you and how things are being perceived and what's happening. Um, I think there's a, a balance that you have to strike. I was confident in what I was, the talents that I learned in New York City, but I it was aware the minute I got to the set that I was on there with really talented queens and that I had a lot to learn. And so, of course, I talked about New York City um, in a way that was very beloved to me, but I don't think I said New York nearly as much as some of the girls that are from New York on the show. And I certainly didn't use it as an excuse. During some of the challenges when we would have to write about what's so great or something, like in some of the songs and some of the lyrics, I would use New York as sort of my, my flavor. But I would never bring it up in conversation as a reason why for anything. And and so I think that's the difference. And I've been doing, I'm from New York and have an established name and I'm certainly not the only one. There's probably a lot of folks who go out to gay bars these days who have, don't even know who I am. And that's, um, that's true. Um, but the difference is 
the experience that I got in New York City taught me humility. And I've been doing it for 20 years, 22 years. And the queens who are on the top in New York City now have been doing it for two years. And so there's a difference. <laughs> Absolutely. Ivana. Pep, in the time remaining, we're going to play everyone's favorite quiz show, Ask Me No Questions. Normally we have a pre-recorded... Oh yes, normally we have a pre-recorded bumper here, but we'll have to sing it live for you. Ask Me No Questions. Ask Me No Questions. Yeah. We don't usually do it as a... We don't usually do it as a round. Okay. As a round. Yeah, the sound is a little... Peppermint, when people get your name wrong, what do they call you? Pepperman. Oh, that's not good. Which is so transphobic. Yeah, that's insulting. I thought you were going to say like spearmint or double mint. Some people eat either Pepperman or if, they, if it's something that I'm trying to tell them, like if they can't hear, can't hear me, it's a loud club. They're like, what? Pepperman? But if they can't remember who I am and they're trying to recall it, they call me Cinnamon. Oh, Cinnamon's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. I once knew a horse named Cinnamon. Uh, okay, describe... <laughs> describe the... Like a dirty limerick. I know. Describe the worst gig of your life. <laughs> the worst gig of my life... Um, I won't say the city. <laughs> say it. Um, well, I was in the UK... And um, I got booked on a gig, and this was years and this was years ago, uh, only a few years ago though. Uh, and I got booked on a gig. We basically the ins and outs are, of how it works, or what what are the de- the devil is in the details. But um, long story short, I got booked for a gig, showed up, and then they they were expecting me to go on, but they they just were not intending on paying me. And I I went, I was in denial, but then by the time I realized they weren't going to pay me. I was just like, I'm already here, but I'm just, I'm not going to go on because then, you know, whatever. So I just never, I never got paid for this gig. Um, Ain't showbiz great. A lot of expenses. Yeah. What is your favorite sexual position? Um, I'd say, I don't really know. I think we need to rewrite some of the sexual positions for, for queer people. Um, and trans-identifying people because our genitalia doesn't always go in the same spot that people would think based on our gender. But um, missionary, I guess, like on my back, is if I'm receiving, is probably my favorite mm-hmm. because it's more intimate, you know? A lot of people yeah, say that. the most difficult. A lot of people say that, and I can definitely agree with the intimacy. Unfortunately, my legs are not that flexible. <laughs> So I prefer to be doggy style because it's just very relaxing for me. Yes, yes. Also, I don't always like the person who's fucking me, and so that way I don't have to look at them. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to I'm trying to have sex when we come out of quarantine with people that I actually like. That's a, such that'll, a... Hopefully that'll... that'll that's such be a novel idea. <laughs> I've never even considered that, Pep. <laughs> Who is your celebrity crush, by the way? Oh my gosh, Jason Momoa, for sure. He's fucking hot. But there's this other guy now. I have to look him up. Um, Because Jason Momoa could uh, definitely get uh, it. um, I can't remember his name. 
he, oh, there's this other, like, Polynesian or, like, um, Pacific Islander descent man who's just beautiful, and he's going, he played, oh, he played Hitler in, um, Oh, I know that guy. He's a director. He's from New Zealand. He's, yeah. um, he's, What's his name? he's Maori. Um, I can't think of his name offhand, but he's, he's very interesting. Hold on. I'm going to look at it. It's worth saying. All right. In the, mean, in the meantime, his name. Okay. Yeah. what is your favorite song currently on the radio? Um, I don't listen to the radio, so I just don't know. Okay, fair. Oh, <laughs> but his name is Taika Waititi. There you go. That is Peppermint's number two celebrity crush after Jason Momoa. <laughs> Pep, what is a lie that you tell all the time? Um, what is a lie that I tell all the time? Oh, I say, I don't check my... Um, it's not quite a lie, but it's something that people don't always understand. I don't check my messages on social media, like my direct messages, and that's partially untrue because I do see them, but I also share my inbox with someone else who works with me, and so I tell people don't DM me because it's you're, you're never gonna it's never gonna happen. Whatever it is. This is this is why ninety percent of the time you don't respond back to me when I DM you on Instagram. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> And finally, Pep, if you could wish coronavirus on one person, who would it be? Oh, my word. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> I, know, I have my answer. What's yours? Well, he's very orange. Let's just leave it at that. Of course. Naturally. <laughs> Peppermint, I adore you. How can people follow you on the interwebs? People can get me on all socials, all channels, Peppermint 247. Peppermint, thank you so much for calling in. I'm sorry that the sound quality is so shitty and there's technical difficulties. But when this is over, if I have to drag you by the hair, uh, I'm getting you in the studio to do a, a proper interview with us. Okay, you might just end up in the studio with a wig in your hand, though. Honey, it wouldn't be the first time. I love you. I love you. Bye, sweetie. Bye. I want to thank Peppermint. I want to thank Lars Kaliu and Ryan. Uh, Ryan, this show has technical difficulties that you don't even know about yet. I'll be talking to you later about them, but we will cobble something together. Next Saturday, tune in to hear another brand new ass. I will continue doing these every week from home for as long as I have to. Subscribe to this podcast at dnrstudios.com. Don't forget to download my comedy albums. Follow me. Me. On Twitter and Instagram, at Adam Sank. Follow Ryan at Ryan Frosting. Follow JB, who puts all this shit together every week, at Stocking Anarchy 12. Say it again, Ryan. We miss him. We miss him so much. JB, we miss you and your fuckery. Uh, email me at adam at adamsank.com. Have a great week, bitches. Bye. Bye.